0: I've seen some, some really good success with using three velocity based sessions, with, uh, and then one um, session where we do a set of eight, uh, or a set of eight and a set of 14. So it would look like every other week we're hitting something to kind of readdress or uh, retain the, the strength that we've built.
1: To me, generally, the way it's played out um, that I've had in my scenarios, eights end up being more velocity based stuff where it's more of a speed eight than it is like a max effort eight. That's been cool to do because usually uh, the strength comes so easily in the 20s and the 14s that by the time we're done with those phases, I don't think they need more. So we kind of check that box off and move on to the other types of strengths. So,
2: I took the back squat away from them and just high box stepped them, um, you know, kind of put them in the deficit and just kind of still kind of followed the one by 20 progression, 20, 14s, 8s. Um, rode that into the summertime with, um, and then I tried to kind of dropped the box height down and turned it to more to a dynamic effort or velocity based, you want to say, step up. Um, I did squat them every three weeks, though, so they have a bar in their back. Um, but kind of backtracking a little bit too, when we started the, with the, the step ups in that January, when we tested that March, um, I had, on average, out of those four guys, just using the, like I said, just using step ups, um, maybe squatting twice in that seven week period, had an average of sixty five pound um, increase on their max.
3: That was Matt Tomey, Jeff Moyer, and Ryan Bracious speaking on the special strength implementation and some of the dynamic work that they're doing when they move beyond the one by twenty set rep scheme system. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 81 of the Just Fly performance podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We have a special episode for you today and we have yet another performance roundtable with three great coaches. I really love doing these. I think that Getting more than one coach on is definitely uh, where the future of podcasting is headed in many ways. Just because you get to hear some of the a blend of some of the great ideas and discussion amongst masters of their craft. And uh, so today we have Jeff Moyer of DC Sports Training, Matt Homie of Michigan Tech, and Ryan Bracius of Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, most of you familiar with this podcast, the Just Fly Sports website, you know of Jeff Moyer. He's been on uh, twice, so he's joining the three timers club. It is great to have him back. Jeff is a brilliant coach and is probably one of the guys who has just an immense thirst for knowledge, always looking at video, always making himself better, and I always love talking to Jeff. I've learned so much from him, and I know a lot of you guys have as well. Uh, In terms of the other two coaches, Matt Tomey and Ryan Bracius, I met them both at the Track Football Consortium 6 in Chicago this past December. Matt is the head strength coach of Michigan Tech, works with football, basketball, teaches classes, and Ryan is developing some of the best football athletes in the NCAA uh, over at Wisconsin-Whitewater, which is not too far from where I grew up. And Both of those coaches are getting fantastic results with rock-bottom injury rates. These are the guys who are learning from some of the best in the field, such as Yosef Johnson and Michael Yesis, and putting it into practice. And so today, uh, I actually got this idea from Matt Tomey at the Track Football Consortium, was not just talking about one by 20 If you've heard some of the podcasts with Jeff or looked at anything uh, that Jay DeMeo or Yosef Johnson is doing, uh, as well as Dr. Michael Yesis' DVD, you may be familiar with the one by 20 Strength Training System But we wanted to talk a little bit today more about life after one by twenty. So, what do you do after the one by twenty set rep scheme has run its course? You know, moving through, moving into the 14s, the eights, moving into velocity based training means special strength. There's a whole huge world of what these coaches are doing once they move beyond that that simple one by twenty system. For those of you unfamiliar with the one by twenty system, we'll we'll say the system rather than the set rep scheme. uh, Simple explanation is as follows here which is starting athletes out with generally five to eight exercises doing one set of 20 reps each uh for those exercises and you'll build up to around 18 to 23 exercises over time instead of pushing the gas pedal down uh the first day with the intensity on that set of 20 the the exercises are slow cooked so you gradually add weight over time Uh, when athletes reach adaptation or they stop improving on the sets of 20 then the next progression is one set of 14 and over time finally one set of 8. The system was taught to many coaches by Yosef Johnson who was mentored by the inventor of the system Dr. Michael Yesis and coaches who have used it have noted good to great gains in strength but particularly uh, great gains in explosive KPIs compared to other systems such as 531 or a powerlifting derivative and there's also been great reductions in injury rate. So, on the episode today, we're going to get into each coach's introduction to the one by 20 system, how they implement it, what kind of results they're getting, and then we're also going to talk about how they transition from the one by 20 system into the 14s, the 8s, the special strength, the velocity-based training, how is that breaking down and what is that looking like. Uh, this is a fantastic episode, Outside the Box Thinking. I-, I love doing these talks on stuff that's not so mainstream. <laughs> as well as addressing training systems, not so popular, but they're getting amazing results, reducing injury rates, and spearheading new ideas and and directions in where the strength and conditioning profession is ultimately headed. So uh, let's get to episode 81 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast with Jeff Moyer, Matt Tomey, and Ryan Bracius. Welcome, guys. Uh, Jeff, Ryan, Matt, glad to have you all here. before we get kicked off, and, and I'm really excited for this particular episode because I think that the the direction that one by 20 has kind of, or um, the questions that people are asking and the results it's getting are is a really good piece and a really good thing that's hitting the industry. Excited to talk to you guys about it. Could you kind of start us all off by talking about your background with one by 20 how you started using it, uh, and then we'll get into the next question in terms of more about the one by 20 system and moving away from it, but... First, just kind of tell us about your background in the one by twenty system and how you got started.
1: Sure, Um, I'll I'll try to keep it brief. Um, I was introduced to it by Joseph Johnson of Ultimate Athlete Concepts. Um, I was working with a high school football program. Um, I wanted to do a five three one vertical integrated type of program, Charlie Francis ish, Um, high low this and that. um Joseph and I have become friends at this point. So he, I asked him what did he do with his athletes, because I knew we worked with athletes the same age. And he said I'd do one one by twenty. So what the hell's that? Uh, so he kinda told me about it, um, but told me the results. And the results were pretty good. So I, I was curious. So I tried it with half the football team and the other half kind of did the uh the five three one lifting protocol with you know vertical integration and then the high low. Kind of methodology, and uh, we tested, um, we tested single leg broad jumps and vertical jumps every six to eight weeks um, because that's all we could do. I didn't, I didn't have anywhere to time sprints or anything like that. That's all I had access to, and uh, it, the improvements in those jumps was almost two to one. Um, the one by twenty to the five through one. So for every two inch broad jump, it would go up four. And inch broad jump for the, uh, the single leg for the one by 20 and same with the vertical. And, uh, the lifting numbers were the exact same. Um, the squat numbers all went up the exact same, regardless of was five, three, one or one by 20. Um, and so I was sold, um, and the athletes weren't getting very sore from it. So I converted everyone over and became a believer and, um, just started asking Yosef more and Dr. Yosses more about it and learning more about it. So that's kind of my introduction. All right, Matt. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, so my first introduction, pretty, you know, similar to Jeff's where, uh, you know, my mentor was Yosef Johnson with all of this. And uh, I actually contacted Yosef. I was reading books from Ultimate Athlete Concepts when I was in grad school and contacted Yosef to see if I could just come visit him on uh, my spring break so I could come watch and see what he does. And uh, so I did that. And then I visited him several times after that and then began using the one by 20 with a wrestling team that I was working with. So I was coaching high school wrestling on the side, uh, while going to grad school and, um, kind of working uh, with some other athletes at a private facility as well. And, uh, I initially used the one by 20, which is one single athlete whose mom hired me to, to train him over the summer. He was an eighth grader going into ninth grade. She didn't want him to get hurt, that kind of thing. And, uh, it, you know, we had a we had a decent sized team, maybe forty five guys or so, and he was probably one of the bottom two or three guys, you know, on the team. And within a short period of time, four to six weeks or so, um, you know, we did see improvements in strength. But what I was most amazed with was his improvements in general coordination. His stance improved. His ability to pick up techniques improved, and then uh, that was reflected in his performance on the mat and so needless to say implemented that with the rest of the team that year and this was the second year working with that team so the prior year we had two guys on a team actually go to states qualify as individuals Um, and then those two guys were seniors they graduated the following year when i implemented one by 20 i think we had something like 11 or 12 guys qualify for state the state meet individually so it was, it was pretty insane, you know, from a, from a sport performance standpoint, you know, not even looking at strike numbers or power numbers or anything like that, their improvement in the actual sport, uh, was just, uh, crazy. Yeah. So I, since, since then I've used it, um, you know, at Richmond and then Michigan tech. So, um, with the many other athletes.
3: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Ryan.
2: I know the same, uh, same lines as, uh, Jeff was saying, um, you know, I got a call. I want to say maybe about nine years ago, and I was still um, at Northern Illinois. You know, bought all his books. Um, you know, heard him speak in some podcasts. You know, a few um, when the forums on Elite Fitness were still pretty big. You know, saw him post there a few times. You know, really intrigued. Uh, I was getting call out of the blue once I accepted a job at um, Rockford University, talked to him a little bit. About, uh, a little bit about it. He was asking what I was doing. Um, And, you know, he kept always coming back to me saying, oh, you're not covering this, you're not covering this. You know, he kept looking looking at joint actions. And, you know, I thought I was covering it all, but, you know, I was kind of using more of that uh, vertical integration style. And, you know, I ran with it. You know, I kind of took what Yosef said, not necessarily the heart. You know, I took notes on it, but didn't really, you know, kind of push it to the side. Um, Went through my first year at Rockford U, you know, decent results. So I called him back, kind of told him what we got. And he basically said, that's it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like, what do I need to do? And so – Basically sat down, uh, kind of told me what to do for the offseason. We ran it, and then ever since then, it's has just been a, been a believer. Um, numbers just went through the roof, um, speed numbers, power numbers, um, strength numbers. Um, it was just it was just night and day. There was nothing, you know, changed my mind from there. Then after that, I took a position at a private facility in Iowa and um, basically really started to experiment to get uh, there a lot with um, high school athletes, um and again same thing just the results just went through the roof i had a girl came in there um i think we got seven and a half inches on her vert in three months and really it's kind of the rest is history i've been running with it ever since
3: man that's that's great stuff and i really like to hear how it's kind of like i was doing this and then i transitioned to this and here's the results i get so many times in in the profession i think it's like this is what my mentor did when i first started out so what it's what i've been doing ever since and the cool thing about one by twenty is the total paradigm shift in many ways. It's totally different, uh, and and in that sense, it's cool to see something that's completely different than what we all kind of came up with in the field, and and seeing these results that we're getting. And uh, what I'd like to, or where I'd like to kind of take the direction is how you guys implement it, and how long you implement each of the phases. So the set of twenty, the set of fourteen, uh, go into a set of eight. How long do you guys run through each of those phases with your populations? Because I know you have a little bit of different populations, uh, Jeff being in the private sector and then Matt and Ryan, you guys being in the college sector. How long do you guys typically run through that and how does your progressions tend to look?
1: I'll let the college guys talk first, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, well, we have our uh, football freshmen coming in the fall uh, and they're going to start in August with a set of 20 and usually... You know, a lot of people look at it and eventually we're covering every joint action. Um, We have, you know, 18 to 23 different exercises on there. Um, We're not starting out with that many. You know, we might be starting out with five to eight exercises to begin with and teaching them those exercises, especially when it's me and one graduate assistant and 35 freshmen. Uh, You know, we're going to make sure that they're good at those exercises and then we're going to slowly add... Uh, more exercises in. So the fall is a lot of teaching and a lot of learning. So even to begin with, they are progressing uh, in intensity and weight um, gradually, but they're also progressing in terms of what can we add in? Um, You know, can we add some more single joint actions in that are pretty simple? Let's add, you know, two more in this week. Okay, they've got a good handle on these or this group of exercises, let's add a couple more in and and kind of complicate things further. And then we're always teaching them how to progress. So it's an ongoing process, and uh, it, you know, partly depends on how quickly that group grasps the concept and grasps uh, how to progress themselves. Because there is some autonomy within that. We teach them, we teach them how to progress, and. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of guidance, and okay, I need you to I need you to hit that weight again, um, and we need to you know do this or that with your technique. Um, but there is there is some autonomy there, so it depends on the size of the group, and it depends on how that group uh, how well that group kind of takes to the concept um, and learns that concept. But but basically, um, in general, from what I've seen, if we have freshmen starting in August. It's probably going to be about Thanksgiving time uh, until they're dropping down to 14 reps. And that's when I see the group as a whole beginning to kind of slow down in their progression and plateau out. Or um, they begin to shorten up ranges of motion or technique starts to go downhill. And then we'll change things up before that happens. So somewhere from August to you know mid-November... Um, is when, when, when the incoming freshmen will, uh, you know, use the one by 20. Um, I don't know if we, do we want to get into as we progress from year to year yet, or, uh, you know, because obviously that's going to be shorter and shorter. Um, so, you know, my seniors or my juniors or seniors who already have a very good base, they may only do three to four weeks of that, um, to readdress it, you know, to get back into, into the off season um and then they're moving on and and by spring ball they're they're doing other things
2: yeah kind of along the lines um very similar to what uh uh tomei talked about you know we don't get our guys to come in until august just um you know being a d3 school we don't get a lot of guys to stay over the summer so our freshmen really report the day to report for camp um and then when you know kind of the same concept a lot of teaching i don't throw a lot of them uh, a lot of exercises of them add them right away we'll maybe hit about eight exercises let those ride about three weeks later we'll add about two three weeks later we'll add another two um every fall i kind of experiment a little bit with the 20s i've had some you know last year i kind of did like what tome spoke of right around thanksgiving time which would have been right around um the end of our conference beginning of our playoff run i switched the freshman to the fourteens. A uh year before that um i did 20s the entire semester um the year before that i kind of messed around i did um four weeks of 20s and then i went um i had him do like a set of 18 then the next day they came in and do a set of 19 then after that i had him do a set of 20 and then i progressed the weight up from there i've even had it when i had them hit a set of 20 hit a set of 21 hit a set of 22 kind of pushing past that mark before i bumped up the weight um you know enrolled that first semester so i always kind of experiment a little bit um with the freshmen, with the 20s, that first semester, you know, before I get back on track to second semester. I just kind of want to see what, you know, can happen and see what we can do. Can we get different results with it? Um, You know, and really that's just kind of, you know, pretty much what Tomei said, and that's the only really small variation I've done differently than what, what, you know, Tomei really kind of spoke of.
1: Um, Being in the private sector, I I try to set my business up where uh, I can take my time with my athletes, so I have uh, I offer a 13-week program and a one-year. Um, now, unless it's a college kid coming back or it's a circumstance where I'm, I, I have a kid training for an NFL Combine or a high school Combine, um, generally, we're just gonna talk right now, uh, or I'll speak right now, as if I just had someone sign up for one year. Um, I the, the one by 20 kinda just depends, the progress depends where we are in the calendar and, and how they're doing um, generally. Uh, I'd rather keep them in the 20s a little longer and just rotate exercises than just quickly try to switch them to 14s. You know what I mean? But there's instances where it's a high school kid and i got to get them ready or you know something like that uh, for a football player or something where maybe I'll go to 14s quicker. But um, like younger kids, so I have 8-year-olds all the way up to 7-year-olds. Um, and I do 1 by 20 with everybody, um, just kind of the aim of it. Is, is what's different but uh like for an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or something like that they'll do one set of 20 for shit six months you know i'm just changing exercises no need to cr- get crazy with that um <clears throat> for a high school kid i'm sorry i lost my voice this this week um for a high school kid yeah it could be 12 10 to 10 to 16 weeks somewhere in there depending on progress. Um, I'm trying to track their KPIs and stuff like that. So, um, some kids are slower to respond to it than others. I've particularly found girls respond a little bit differently than boys do, uh, as far as improving KPIs. So like, for instance, a boy, I, I like to retest their KPIs, their broad jumps, their Bosco jumps, whatever it is we're doing right now, since it's winter and there's six inches of snow out there. um, Boys, generally every eight, eight, eight workouts, which can be you know close to a month. Um, girls, and, and we'll usually see good improvements in, in those eight workouts. Uh, girls, generally closer to 12 to 14 workouts, uh, I found. I know Bondarchuk, Matt could probably test this better, but Bondarchuk used to have it pretty pinpointed, like that with athletes. That's something I want to be able to have, that ability to be like, 14 workouts, That's all you need. Um, but nonetheless, um, and then, yeah, we'll go to 14s. And then then eights. um I know the question was when to get the eights, right? You're listening to the just fly
3: performance podcast brought to you by simply faster
1: uh, yeah, definitely good no
3: all, all good i uh I think that um it's so interesting to me uh and I don't want to kind of i did want to transition kind of to the. Now, when do you go to 14s and when to 8s? But maybe before we do, I, what do you think it is about, about the 20 itself, right? Because uh, it's very low neural cost. And, and I think there's uh, – I, I know I've heard you, Jeff, talk about how that ner- the nervous system isn't getting stiffened up for, for the sake of learning um, because it's not high intensity. And, and, Matt, you had mentioned that too. Like you had mentioned the wrestlers picked up skills better. Is that is that – what are some of the reasons – to stay with just the 20 for a long time? Or why do you guys think that it works so well? I think, because it's so different, I, I, maybe on both a neural level, what it does from a muscular perspective, what are some things that you guys think in terms of why is this working so well in terms of not only strength, but also improvement of KPIs?
1: I'll let Matt answer that one.
0: <laughs> well, well, I think from, you know, from a standpoint of a uh, local muscular level, we're looking at uh, capillary density. Uh, primarily, so um, you know, like Jeff said, you can continue with the 20s, and you can continue to change exercises up um, to to continue to progress those athletes. Um, but the longer you stick with that, the the greater the adaptation is going to be from a local muscular endurance standpoint, and then um, as a result of increased capillary density. Uh, and something that Doc talks about quite often is this increased capillary density. Kind of sets the scene for increasing connective tissue strength because our connective our connective tissue has a very low vasculature um, as it is, and so if you you know if you're going to rebuild a tissue or build up a tissue, you have to be able to deliver the the byproducts to you know create or the products or to create that um, tissue. So if you don't have uh, blood flow, then you're not going to be able to build that tissue up stronger. So um, you know again. Uh, a result that many of us have seen with using the one by 20 is very low injury rates. Uh, and I think that that's one reason why you would stick in the twenties for a longer period of time and, and not rush to the 14s and try and pack on strength immediately. Um, I think the, the other big reason, uh, like I, like I had mentioned earlier is just increased coordination, you know, if we're it was something that I was kind of amazed by actually early on, um, because it was you know when I started it, there was all this functional training stuff going on, and you're trying to do all these different exercises that you know are supposed to improve coordination, right? And then we're moving to very general exercises, even single joint exercises. Um, uh, but we're using a low load. We're going through a large range of motion, and we're highly focused on technique in each joint action. Um, and what that results in is very good control uh, in each joint action. Um, just you're reinforcing it over and over again and then you're doing that three times a week so you have a fairly high frequency so you know one of the things if you if you ask Dr. Yesis why 20 reps and obviously he comes from a biomechanics background um, you know I, I when I asked him and talked to him about this the first thing he said to me was well if you're trying to improve a skill do you want to do many reps or do you want to do a few reps you know obviously we want to we want repetition um, so I think that's, that's one of the more overlooked aspects of the one by 20 is that there are large increases in coordination, which can help enhance, uh, skill acquisition as well. Okay. Yeah.
3: That's interesting to me. I think, uh, cause I think the first thing I think about with 20 is like you said, the capillary density, like the muscle endurance aspects, but then reconciling that with KPI, like, like vertical jump, like KPIs, like Jeff was talking about where the one by 20 group gets double, the vertical jump enhancement and broad jump enhancement of the the 5 three, one group like uh, i mean to me that's i, I do you think that my brain instantly goes to like the, the blood flow and the connective tissue like the the you know in the set of 20 squats you might get a little more like acidity and ph change and and positive changes in the connective tissue and that's what christian teudo is talking a little bit about uh, on the recent podcast i did with him uh and just in terms of like the 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 spring and the power type exercises. Do you think that that's a big contributor in that aspect? Or do you think it's also the coordination is a big player?
0: I, I think that the, the coordination, the motor unit coordination um, would be maybe a larger player in terms of um, those, those KPIs. Um, I think that the, uh, the, you know, the metabolic, uh, changes and the increased capillary density, local muscular endurance are important uh, later on when we get to higher intensity exercise, so that they can recover quicker from that, as well as, like I said, increased connective tissue strength. Um, but I think if we're if we're talking about the primary factors that maybe are increasing vertical jump um, or or any kind of jump test or sprint test um with just the one set of 20 it's probably more related to motor unit coordination um and just and just motor control in general um than it would be the metabolic factors at least as far as as far as i as far as i know
3: yeah i mean if you i i've thought of it too like you have general and specific training if you're doing specific training you're actually doing your sports skill and you're actually doing sprinting or plyometrics or special strength and then if you're doing general training uh, you uh, how would I want to put this? Like the, the general aspects of lifting, like the the general uh, intermuscular intramuscular adaptations on the on the general level. It's almost like the one by twenty does a better job of the general adaptations. Would that be a good way of putting it?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's uh, with with Dr. Bondarchuk. There are two terms. Transfer of training is the one that we're most familiar with, and then there's transfer in the process of sports form. And transfer of training, we're looking at the transfer of one exercise to another. Um, transfer in the process of sports form, we're looking more globally. So the training this has an impact on the actual event itself, but it may be, you know, a nervous system impact or a motor unit um, activation impact or something something along that that line. Um, so it's it's not exactly, a direct transfer, but it has a transfer uh, or there is transfer on, um, a different scale or a greater scale, if that makes sense.
3: Sure. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. <laughs> uh, but it, it definitely makes sense from like the, the two different levels and like the, the way that one thing impacts another. Uh, so let's, with that, like, let's move into like the 14s and the eights. And I definitely appreciate that explanation. I think that people hear one by 20 and they just kind of like shut something off in their brain cause they don't understand it. Uh, and so I think that level of understanding is really helpful. But yeah, you know, let's dig into kind of where do you go then—the eights and the fourteens and those things—and um, then Ryan, do you want to go ahead and start like how you funnel away from the twenties into the fourteens and the eight?
2: Yeah. Um, so normally, like I said, we'll you know go from like um, you know with our freshmen they like come in. Usually, we we'll spend that first semester um, in the twenties. Like I said, um, we've done it before when we've gone to the fourteens, right around the, the end of conference, the beginning of the playoffs. Um, so now we're going to January. We're going to our off season. We'll reintroduce the 20s again, with uh, at least with the freshmen um, and with the older guys, too, as well. But we won't keep the the groups um, ahead of the freshmen like the juniors, the seniors, the sophomores. We won't keep them in the 20s as long. So, you know, kind of like what uh, Tome hit on earlier, um, seniors or juniors who have been in the program um, anywhere from three to four years, depending if they registered it or not. We might hit it for four weeks, and then we might move on, you know, move down to the 14s, might move down to the 8s a lot quicker, whereas, you know, freshmen will ride the 20s for that seven-week period. We hit spring ball, we'll move them down to the 14s, and then when we hit to the summer, uh, we'll start moving them to the 8s. Um, And then, obviously, the cycle starts back over the next year when they come back in. Um, So, really, it's just kind of every, you know, reintroducing it but kind of pulling it back a few weeks every single time we keep coming back. Obviously, in-season is a little bit different for the older guys, um we have more you know more moving parts at that time um you know we have a maintenance day then we kind of have a you know i call it my dynamic effort day uh from the older groups we'll actually start introducing more dynamic effort concepts on our uh, wednesday lifts where it's, you know the freshmen are just basically doing you know the 20s and basically just learning learning and we're just building that foundation for years to come
1: i uh with the- Again, it's based off the of KPIs mostly for me, uh, depending on where we are in the calendar year. Um, I got to be honest, most of the time with my athletes, when we get down, when I feel it's time to get out of the 14s, <clears throat> um, I don't really think strength is as is, uh, is a limiting factor anymore with them. Um, like, for instance, I, I have uh, a freshman girl soccer player. She's probably 105 pounds. She was squatting, and I stopped her. Uh, she was squatting an easy 100, uh, 185 pounds for 14 reps. I just stopped her. I didn't think she needed to go up anymore. I didn't think improving it. So we were working on the speed of it. Um, and this was just in the 14s. We didn't even get to the 8s where she's supposed to be developing more strength or whatever. Um, so to me, generally, w- the way it's played out um, that I've had in my scenarios, 8s end up being more velocity-based stuff. Where it's more of a speed eight than it is like a max effort eight, um, and stuff like that. So that's <clears throat> that's been uh, that's been cool to do because uh, usually uh, the strength comes so easily in the twenties and the fourteens that by the time we're done with those phases, I don't think they need more. So we kind of check that box off and move on to the other types of strengths. Um, you know, we're doing delay squats. We might be doing you know uh, eccentric. Um, GHRs, we might be doing, you know, some some ISO things, but uh, you know, as far as max strength anymore, we we check that box off. We we'll move on. So the eights for me are more of a, a velocity based or or some other, you know, maybe an eccentric based type of type of time period.
3: I I really like that answer with the speed and the eights, and it's like if you use the twenty and the fourteen to make your athletes strong enough, it makes me. Think of uh, a little, uh, tattoo or Mike Goss, I think is the guy who got me interested in this, but just, you know, putting a timer on your squat sets and kind of, once you hit that point, you're strong enough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, we, I have a gym aware. Um, so we'll just do a gym aware and sometimes, um, I'll just put the gym wear on and put the girls, um, or whoever on and let's just say, you know, let's say how fast you can move this 14 reps and whatever it is, let's just say it's 0.81 meters per second Next time, let's beat that. And if you beat that, then next time we'll go up in weight. You know what I mean? So we kind of, then I try to have them go up in speed more than anything. Um, You know, and if they go up in speed, then I'll have them go up in weight next time. And we'll just kind of keep going that way. But but yeah, they get so strong. Um, Strength comes so easily um, to them. My athletes in the 20s and 14s that it's really not an issue anymore. And we work on other stuff by that time period.
3: You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was actually doing something very similar with some of my swimmers who were definitely strong enough for their event, and where it was a point where them gaining more weight too uh, was was something we wanted to avoid. So I just started basically, at yeah, timing the one by twenty <laughs> instead of instead of pushing weight. So I I think that's really interesting, man.
0: Yeah. All right, Matt. Yeah, uh, I mean, similar to Jeff, so. You know, there comes a time, obviously, when they're strong enough uh, and we have to move on to other things. So, you know, just like just like Ryan said, each year, uh, the the section of time or the amount of time that we're in the 20s will get shorter. The amount of time that we're in the 14s will get shorter. Same with the eights. Uh, And then we'll move on to using some velocity based work or dynamic effort work, whatever you want to call it. Um, And and then. At the same time, um, some sort of maintenance of that strength that we've built. So there have been different things um, that Yosef and I have talked about, kind of different combinations of, uh, you know, using the the one set of eight with some velocity based work, um, you know, every other week. So, for example, um, I've seen some some really good success with using three velocity based sessions with uh, and then one um, session where we do a set of eight, uh, or set of eight and a set of 14. So it would look like every other week we're hitting something to kind of readdress or, uh, retain the, the strength that we've built. Um, now, you know, and that's worked that's worked extremely well. Um, and I haven't had a really, you know, reason to change it, but when you hit something once every other week, uh, you're going to have athletes who are pretty sore from that. So during that time period or just those couple of days where we are readdressing those uh, eights, we'll, we'll cut out more of the running or the sprinting or anything like that um, to give them a little bit of time off their legs so that they have three days basically until their next day where they'll be sprinting, jumping and doing velocity based work. Um, now the next step is kind for me at least is kind of figuring out how, how long we can push that you know or how how long we can stretch those rigid residuals um, and I know dr. Surin talks about uh, <clears throat> or has written about I should say uh, training residuals and as we know it depends also you know with training residuals there there are a lot of different factors that are going to determine how long that residual actually lasts you know we can say strength is 30 days plus or minus five but it depends on the level of athlete it depends on how long they've been training for a number of things. Right. So, you know, how long does it really last if you do, if you do nothing? And, and I wouldn't say velocity based training is nothing right to retain strength, obviously. Um, but you know, there, there is something about, uh, it, it is different, you know, to have a heavier load on your back versus a lighter load, moving it fast. Um, so we do want to retain those qualities. Um, And I think we could push it back even further where we're doing two, two, two and a half weeks of velocity based work. um, And then one day where we're looking to, you know, retain those strength qualities. So it's kind of something that I'm experimenting with now and kicking around and trying to find the appropriate balance there.
3: Yeah, that's fascinating to me. It makes me think of in sport of track and field. High level coaches talking about, well, how often do we need to squat our athletes in season? It's not that often. It's like, it can be every 10 to 14 days for many people. Like, you don't have to hit it that often. I also like how it's like, well, yeah, you don't want to be sore when you do it. And so that, that's, it's interesting to me. Uh, I did want to, and you guys, you and Jeff, Matt, bo- both brought up velocity based training. And I'd, I'd like to kind of get into that because the theme of this really, I, I didn't want to just talk about one by 20. We all want to talk about kind of life after moving on, moving on with that athlete is strong enough. And just another theme that i'm kind of getting is just doing one by 20 maybe one by 14 is certainly enough to get an athlete strong enough as far as you know i guess training transfer would be concerned or, or what's the minimal level of strength and so can you guys tell me first a little bit about how strong do you want an athlete to be before you start moving on to what you should mentioned, velocity-based training or maybe something like triphasic if you guys use that and then, what do you guys ever really get that far below sets of eight? Like, what kind of rep ranges are you using when you use velocity based training? And uh, just talk a little bit about when you when it is time to depart from that one by twenty, one by fourteen, or even one by eight model. Uh, what are kind of the sets and reps that you're going into? And and tell me more about the velocity based training.
2: So you know, kind of like you said, life beyond the one by twenty. Well, we've kind of done it a, a couple of different ways. Um, you know, like I said, velocity based. Um, and I've also kind of done it. Um, just kind of I'll backtrack a little bit. I had a couple um, older guys, um, uh, actually kind of stole this idea from Jeff. He was, he brought it up a while ago about using, um, I want to say this is back when 2014, I think I was talking about, it. he said about using trying step ups with the, uh, with 20. So I had, I had a group of, um, uh, you know, four seniors, two of them had existing injury, uh, knee injuries. The other two were, you know, strong enough, um, you know, you could say they were more than two times their body weight strong in their back squat. One was a skill position. He was squatting 535 um, at 190 pounds. You know, he didn't need to get any stronger. He needed to get faster. So... I took the back squat away from them and just high box stepped them. Um, you know, kind of put them in the deficit and just kind of still kind of followed the one by twenty progression, 8s, 20, um, Rode that into the summertime with, um, and then I tried to kind of drop the box height down and turn it to more to a dynamic effort or velocity based. You want to say step up? Um, I did squat them every three weeks, so they didn't have a bar in their back. Um, but kind of backtracking a little bit too when we started the with the, the step ups in that January when we tested that March. Um, I had, on average, out of those four guys, just using the, like I said, just using step ups, um, maybe squatting twice in that seven week period, had an average of 65 pound um, increase on their max. So that was kind of like one way. Like I said, you know, when we talk about, you know, life beyond one by twenty was just maybe just switching the exercises, um, but going more to the velocity based stuff or dynamic effort. If you want to get into it, um, you know, per se. Um, We've kind of I've you know done kind of what Tomei has said too. You know we've done you know every other week we've added in a heavy eight. I've also um, experimented a little bit too. We'll do some um, velocity based sets and then we'll do like a a heavy set afterwards, like a heavy set uh, heavy set afterwards. Um, you know so I think we're on a four day split. That um, Thursday's your lower body day. Friday's your upper body day. Um, and so this is mostly with my older guys, uh, my seniors. I kind of experiment a little bit with them too, because they've been in the system for so long. So on that Thursday, we'll do speed uh, speed squats, and we'll hit a heavy eight. That Friday, we'll hit our you know speed bench and hit a heavy eight. Then Monday, Tuesday, are just our speed days. Um, I've kind of um, added that in there along the um, along the way. Um, summertime, I experiment a little bit more, especially with the older guys, just because I don't have a lot of guys that stay. I think on max, I think the most we've ever had stay. were 15. Again, we don't have scholarships, so these kids have to stay to play, so they have to work. So that's kind of one of the disadvantages of them. I, I lose most of my team during the summer. So the, the guys who do stay, we move to the velocity-based. Again, my older guys. We'll get to the velocity-based stuff a lot earlier um, than my younger guys do. Younger guys will get to a lot of that stuff maybe – mid-July you know closer to camp where my older guys will hit it uh, maybe mid-June beginning of July so they get more time with it uh, when we get there um usually I try to introduce it with like three sets of five you know five reps when you're talking about um, reps um the next summer, I'll start experimenting a little bit. Maybe we'll go five sets of three. Um, this, uh, last summer, with one of my seniors, we did um, contrast sets. I started messing around. We did uh, six sets of three. So two sets were at, like, 50%. Two sets were at 60%. And then we did two sets back down to 50, just kind of waving it, just to kind of see, um, you know, kind of use it as a PAP effect almost and got really good results with it. Um, moving forward, you know, I always try to, you know, plan ahead. Then I, when I sit down and talk with, you know, uh, Jeff, I talk with Matt, or I talk with Yosef, you know kind of bounce some ideas off of them you know i may move on with some of this stuff other stuff i may not move on with but you know now i'm getting to the point where i kind of want to experiment a little bit with um you know accommodating resistance start adding in some change with it, start adding in some bands i really haven't done some of that stuff yet um because i said we keep getting a result so you know i don't know if matt said it um jeff said it If you're getting result why change for change um you know sometimes like you sometimes you gotta do it for entertaining purposes uh purposes which you know you don't like to do, but at you know, at least where I'm at, you know, being D3, I have to just to keep the kids happy.
1: I'll I'll answer because I know Matt's probably got I know Matt's got some good answers on this because we've we've talked about this a good bit. Um, so I'll do it. Um, we'll do it more than just a squat. We'll do it with deadlifts, but we'll also do it with GHRs. We'll do it with knee drives. We'll do it with some specialized stuff. Um, and with that, um, there's no real. Uh, there hasn't no one studied, you know, velocity based stuff outside of, you know, general barbell stuff in uh, specialized work. So um, using we do it for GHRs, um, trying to just see how, how fast does it look um, with my where my GHRs are in my facility. It's against the wall. And my athletes have been very good at the uh, explosive velocity GHRs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they can move it away away from the wall. So sometimes I want to see how far can they can they move it before um, we'll add a little load or something to it, um, or progress them to a, 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 a plyometric version of the GHR um, with your typical barbell stuff. Um, yeah, uh, we'll do maybe some some athletes if they're newer and they're younger. I'll just stay one set of eight, just try to move it fast. We use a GHR uh, a gymware. I, I use the gymware because. Dr. Mann told me to, and he's smarter than me, so I did that. I looked into uh, the bar sensei before that. Didn't really care for that, and the readings were kind of kind of coming out funny, so that's why I asked Dr. Mann. He said, Jim Ware, so I, I went Jim Ware. Um, and then as far as some of the older athletes, we kind of change up the sets and rep schemes depending on – I do it based off of my athletes and what I feel like I have – some girls, when they do it, four reps is where they kind of peak, and then if we did, let's say five or six, they start to go down. So we might do, you know, two or three sets of four, as opposed to, you know, two or three se- or uh, two or three sets of five or six, or whatever, um, like that. So I'm watching their their velocity, um, like that. But it's mixed in at that time frame with other types of training that we're doing, uh, as far as jumping. Um, usually in the time frame of velocity base work, we're doing some plyos and uh for my fall sport athletes it's usually nice outside so that's when we're outside doing some kind of sprinting whether it's uh sled sprints or uh, flying tens and stuff like that so I try it's, it's mixed in um and then there's sometimes where i just feel like an athlete kind of what matt was saying um as far as once every three workouts or something like that i might just have an athlete do a velocity squat once every three workouts and not squat the rest of the the other two uh three workouts because i just don't feel they, they need it um or or maybe that that adaptation uh reserve might take too much from the other stuff we're trying to do such as the plyos or the flying tens and stuff which i think are a little more important because on the spectrum of transfer uh or transfer training i think they're a little more important so that's my two cents
3: you're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, so the other guys have kind of talked about um, how we're moving into some velocity-based work uh, or dynamic effort work again. Um, typically, you know, I'll kind of just get right to some of the more practical things that I do. Similar to what Jeff said, you know, we may be doing a velocity-based squat or a step up or trap bar, deadlift, you know, whatever kind of combination, lower body exercise. But we also do use uh, a glute ham raise um, for that and, you know, maybe some kind of calf raise and then a couple of upper body exercises. So a bench press, uh, maybe some type of row um, and and maybe a push press or something, something of that nature. Um, as far as programming it, uh, I've started to look at things a little bit differently Uh, kind of more influenced by Dr. Bondarchuk, uh, when we get to that point in time and he, what he does is with his complex method is essentially chooses a, a complex of exercises. So one group of exercises that, uh, you stick with the, you stick with the same exercise, the same intensity and the same volume, uh, for a, you know, certain number of training sessions until you begin to hit a plateau. And so again, like Jeff had mentioned, KPIs, you know maybe we're looking, maybe we have uh, maybe we're doing depth jumps at that time and we have a just jump mat that we're we're looking at those things every you know week or so. Um, you know for the specialized exercises, we'll be looking at um, you know distances that they're jumping out or some of those different things. So we're looking at kind of the more specific things um, and how those are improving. Um, and then, uh, we'll measure velocity, see how that's improving as well. When we begin to hit a plateau, then we'll change everything. So we'll change the exercise, we'll change um, the set and rep scheme, and then we'll also change the velocity. Uh, that's not necessarily a rule, but that's kind of what Bondarchuk does and that's he you know he came about that uh, because concurrent training was being used, and at the time it was just, the way to progress was more and more volume. So let's just add more, let's add more, and add more. And um, that was the time period when Berkashansky started to begin to come up with the conjugate sequence system, so block block periodization, um, and, and said, well, you know, this is a way where we can reduce the volume and still progress. Uh, Bondarchuk kind of came up with his own method where uh, he Said, well, let's keep volume and intensity relatively stable and just use novelty as the stimulus to continue to adapt. So, um, th- that's kind of how I do it, and I've taken some things. Um, Hank Kreinhoff, obviously an influence of mine too, and um, super creative coach. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things that I've taken from him is. Uh, the way I think about prescribing set and re- sets and reps with velocity based training is more of a, a total volume standpoint. So um, as the other guys had mentioned, or, or Ryan Bracius had mentioned um, three sets of five, you know, or five sets of three, um, they're both 15 reps, but uh, they are slightly different. And and Hank had mentioned that too, uh, where he had, he had used an athlete he had, or he had used four sets of five with an athlete. Um, And then he changed to 20 sets of one um, velocity based and same weight, same exercise, everything, but he got a response from it just by changing the set and rep scheme, but keeping the volume the same, the intensity the same and the exercise the same. So it's kind of cool. It kind of shows, um, you know, how we can be creative uh, in different ways and we can change things up just to kind of uh, continually, you know, get our athletes to progress in different ways without overstressing them. So, you know, around that 15, you know, 12 to 15 rep range, total rep range, is what I found success with. And the same thing, uh, you know, as Jeff said, I typically won't go over five reps, but um, I don't think there's any reason why we can't hit eight, especially with younger athletes. You know, everybody says the velocity drops off, but um, with athletes who have already done 20 reps and 14 reps, um, I don't think their velocity is dropping off quite as much, um, or quite as quickly. And I don't have great systems to measure that here. Um, you know, I have a form collar, um, and it works, it works okay. Um, but sometimes loses this connection, so it's not as good as the gym wear to, to measure that. So I kind of go off anecdotally what other people say where you're going to drop off around five reps. So I keep it below that. Um, and then prescribe the the sets and reps based on that total volume, um, and then I may progress them year to year. But I have found that uh, we can actually get more out of just changing the exercises at appropriate times than than increasing the volume even further. We may not need to.
3: Yeah, I, I like that. I, I when you were talking about the velocity to it and the progression over time, uh, and this uh, is a question for anybody as do you once you get to that phase where an athlete's pretty strong and it's more about velocity are you using the same exercises and and tagging velocity on them or are you trying to lean towards more specific versions of common lifts that you guys do i what made me think of that is i was thinking about the derek evely podcast where he was talking about uh matching up the velocity on some of the lifts in the weight room and then he'd go out and do a throw and he noticed if the velocity was high on a a lift that was kind of specific in transfer like for for I don't know if this was his example, but like for shot put, a neater press and the velocity or a, or a pad a bounce bench and the velocity there, that would match up pretty closely to the shot put for the day. Are you guys trying to get more specific as you move into that phase where they're strong enough or are you using the same exercises, generally speaking?
1: Uh, I do both, I guess. Depends where we are. Um, if we're like, now it's winter time, and I feel that we want to work on speed a little bit. So I'll just keep those exercises and work on the speed. But as we get to the summer or whatever, let's just say we're talking about fall sport athlete, uh, we'll get specific. Um, and yeah, I generally see, uh, we, we've seen some correlations. So like uh, explosive front lunges, uh, improvements with that, we measure that by having tape on the floor and measuring distance away. I've seen pretty good improvements with leaping and bounding uh drills or five fold jumps or whatever you want to see. Um so that's been pretty cool and I'll also use that for a, like a, a complex type of training. Um so we'll do the explosive lunges and then we'll go outside and do the leaping and usually when there's improvement in the the lunges there's a pretty good improvement in the uh, the leaping so that's been pretty cool.
3: Oh cool. How do you measure those those explosive is that just like a straight up and down lunge or a forward walking lunge with the front rack?
1: Um well we do it with bands. Um, and the bands, uh, the belts hooked around your ass, uh, the bands are hooked up, um, parallel to the, to the line of pole. Um, and then we have, I put tape on the floor, so I, I've got it measured out where the athletes walk out to the bands and the bands taut. So, uh, that's their starting point. And then when they jump, how far does their back foot travel from the, uh, the tape? Cause that way we're not measuring how far are they reaching. It's how far does their back foot travel mm-hmm. from the tape? Um, and we'll do it that way. And I know Matt uh, has got some answers because he's been messing around with varying distances and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I've, I've seen really good uh, transfer from that exercise to then going outside and doing some leaping and bounding. And that's been pretty cool. Nice.
0: Yeah. So it, it, same thing, <coughs> same thing Jeff said. Uh, you know, we're using general exercises from a velocity based standpoint, but we're also using the specialized exercises uh, in different ways. So, uh, yeah, I have, I have tape on the floor also. Same kind of, same kind of idea. I put the two pieces of tape two feet apart so that I know, and I can kind of see if they're right in the middle, it's about a foot. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll prescribe a load that, uh, will basically allow them to get to a certain point, you know, say, say I want them to jump out of foot and progress to the point where they're getting to two feet. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up in that manner. Um, we've also done some, some interesting things. Uh, another thing that I have to give credit to Yosef for, um, is, a, an eccentric lunge. So again, same setup as Jeff, the belt around your waist, um, hooked up. We actually have them hooked up to a door handle just because that's what we have access to. Um, so hooked up about waist height and, uh, they step out uh ways and then jump back and stick the landing um, as if they were in a cut uh, and so what I'll do is we'll do a set where we're, we're jumping back and doing a set of eccentric lunges and then do a set where we do um, concentric and just <clears throat> exploding out and uh, this fall with uh, <coughs> excuse me uh, with the basketball team we actually saw some pretty crazy improvements with that um, I think it was over the course of maybe four weeks. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. Uh, And we saw uh, everybody increased um, their concentric lunges by about a foot or more. So a foot, foot and a half um, with the same resistance. So that was using, at the time we were were primarily (coughs) using um, a trap bar uh, quarter squat. And then uh, we were doing the eccentric lunges and the concentric lunges. So saw some good things with
3: that. Uh, that's cool. so that that stuff you were doing is kind of after the phases of one by twenty and one x fourteen and kind of gone by. or do you use any of that stuff in in conjunction with the early phases as well?
0: Uh, no, it was it was it was after. Um, <clears throat> I haven't used it in conjunction. Um, I know Yosef has toyed around with that a bit too, kind of flipping back and forth. Um, so there are definitely there are definitely more ways that that we could implement this but um so far i haven't done that it's kind of been in succession so once they get to that point where they are strong enough then we're kind of moving on to other means and and trying to retain those qualities at the same time
1: okay it's trying to find it's trying to find the exercises that best transfer and then how can we manipulate those you know to to keep getting an adaptation to it um So we'll do lunges, normal lunges with a band or a barbell or something in the 14s and stuff, but then as we progress to the 8s and then to a velocity-based, we'll keep doing lunges, but how we do them changes. Um, You know what I mean? And and I think that's what uh, Matt was kind of talking about, how those will change. Because there's... I don't even know. I I haven't counted of different ways to do a knee drive, four, five, six different ways to do lunges. Maybe more, uh, the explosive lunges and stuff like that. Um so that way each year we can keep getting adaptations or each cycle we keep getting adaptations to it. So
3: Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's so a great point.
0: Oh. <clears throat> Sorry. I was gonna say so the you know, the same concept I was talking about with um Dr. Bonderchuk and just changing, you know, varying the movement slightly, varying the environment slightly with that with that specialized exercise. So we can use the same specialized exercise. <laughs> but we could do it in in a cable, we could do it with the bands, we could do it eccentrically, we could do it with an isometric um but they're all variants of of that same movement,
3: yeah, I like that it just it makes it easy to consider progression if you think about it that way too more so than like uh going doing specialized stuff in tangent with the early phases and and all that so uh ryan what's uh what's your take on that?
2: almost everything they kind of like hit on um you know. For like I said, for me, like, I'm always kind of taking a step backwards to the fact that I lose a lot of the guys over the summers when they kind of, you know, a lot of it is when they come back and I see them in camp. It's really just kind of you know, I got to eye how they, you know, how they look, and then you know we move forward from there. But for the, you know, I kind of just go off of the, you know, for the guys who do stay, um, you know, small number we got, kind of like what Jeff already touched on, uh, Matt already touched on. We kind of just look for, you know those specialized exercises, how can we make them more transferable? You know, we started getting uh, more explosive with them. I know, um, we've just got to the point now where you know we've kind of gotten away from the strength stuff with the um, specialized exercises. Now we're starting to go more of the um, explosive component with it. you know how fast can we can you know contract when we move the uh, band? Um, I've kind of alternated to um, what Jeff touched on with like you know um adaptation is, we we do have a cable machine. We only got two of them, so it does get a little bit crowded. But in the summertime, early in the summer, I'll have them do knee drive, pull back, and the lunges off the cables. You know, it's a little different stimulus than having the cords. Then as the summer moves on, I'll get away from the cable, move on to the actual bands, um, reintroducing the bands, I should say, and then we'll start turning into an explosive knee drive, an explosive pull back, you know, an explosive side <laughs> lunge, explosive forward lunge. Um, just really, it's kind of, um, you know, that whole two step back, one uh, one step. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, one step back, two step forward um thought process with it. Um, you know, that's kind of uh, how we've done it in the summertime. Um, you know, then we start introducing um, you know, more true plials, like, you know, your depth jump, um, um plyo side jump, leg to leg side jumps, um, even the compass jumps, we'll start getting into like some of the single leg stuff um with the with the jumps like later on in the summer when we start coupling it with the you know like they've said before, the explosive glute ham raises, explosive calf raises, um, um, explosive bench or dynamic effort bench, however you want to um squats as well. And like I said, we've done it too with um, step-ups. Some of the other guys, we've done them uh, uh, dynamic effort step-ups as well.
3: Cool. Uh, Ryan, you Ryan, you said something before that, that I thought was interesting. And I'll, I'll have this be the last question. I think this is an interesting, just an interesting idea. I think a lot of athletes out there – uh, and definitely coaches and uh, just a lot of people are like, oh, well, well, where's where's the heavy lifting? You know, like <laughs> what about what about the heavy sets? And and I was going to ask you guys, one, how do you do your approach to recording Wonder at maxes? So if you're, you're recording a wonder at max or doing testing purposes, how do you do you have like a little bit of a lead into that or any sort of bridge into that? And then, two, is there any time after the one by 20 has run its course that you would ever have an athlete do a heavier movement like someone who is really into like, oh, I have to hit this weight or, or, or athlete who maybe you think their nervous system might respond well to a heavy effort in particular. Is there any cases where that might fit after the system has run its course?
2: Um, you know, it's a good question. Um, for leading into like the testing, um, when we come, like I said, I'll kind of go over our testing schedule. So when they come in in August, we really don't do any, um, um, true strength test, I should say. The only thing we do is the uh, the 225 rep out. Um, then at the end of the season, normally we're, you know, we'll play into December. Um, usually we I plan for a 15-week season, 15 weeks the national championship game. That's usually kind of been par for course um, um, outside of this year. So, you know, usually we don't test as soon as the season ends. They'll go home for break. I give them their packet. They come back, and then we'll test. Usually when we test when they come back. Usually we'll do a 3RM on bench, a 3RM on squat. You know, we'll do your normal stuff, your pro-agilities, your broad jumps, your verticals. Then um, usually after that seven-week um, winter conditioning period, um, then we'll do our true 1RM on back squat and bench. And that's really the only time we really get, like, you know, truly heavy with it, you know, per se. Um, and I say that loosely because I said that I've had guys, you know, over 500 pounds in the eights. So we just had one guy test out for 3 rep max on back squat at 605 going to parallel. So it's like, you know, do we necessarily need to get that low? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it hard for me to justify going that low in the reps from what I'm seeing. Um, but you know, the kind of go back to the younger guys who are in the 20s before we test. What I might do is like a few weeks before I know we have testing coming up, I might add in, a, you know, a set of five, a set of three, and a set of one as a warm up, and add a percentage to that, then have them do their work set of 20, just so they can get kind of used to having something heavier on the back because. We may have a kid do 315 for 20, and you know, then he'll max out at you know, hit maybe 455 for one, but you know, it's still almost a hundred pound jump compared to what he was used to. So like, I'll slowly start throwing it in as kind of like a a warm up per se, um, just to get him adjusted to having a heavier load for one rep from when we test.
1: I don't, I don't test, oh, so this would be for you. Nice.
2: <laughs> oh, well and And
0: uh, you know i could I could kind of go along this well, I agree with Jeff, but um I, I, you know I wouldn't test uh, strength if if you know the the coaches didn't want numbers um, for strength. So because they get to the point, like it's it's pretty easy with this system. They get to the point where they're strong enough uh, fairly quickly. Um, so there's not really a need to record it. Um, I do have them track it. we do, uh, the athletes do write down the weights that they're using and the number of reps that they achieved that day every single day. So, um, when I collect those, I can easily track what they're doing within their lifts. Um, and they, I don't, I don't do one rep max testing. I don't even go down to three reps. Um, actually we don't even, I got, I did get away with not doing testing. Uh, I just record what they hit within their training, uh, for a set of eight. And give the coaches a, a an eight rep max, uh, and so it's it's that simple. Um, and again, you know, like like Ryan said that you know those eight rep maxes get to the point where they they are fairly heavy. Where we have you know three to six guys that are hitting over five hundred for eight reps on the football team um, every year. Um, so those those are fairly heavy you know sets. So do they need to do more than that? It, it doesn't really seem like it.
3: You yeah. Know. Jeff, I was going to say DC sports training doesn't have the, the powerlifting bench squat deadlift record board on the wall.
1: <laughs> I have a record board, but we don't have any strength numbers up there. Cause I, I, I tell everyone when they come in the first day, I really don't give a shit. It's important, but it's just one piece of the pie. Um, and like we do what Matt does. Uh, we track our workouts um, all the time. Each athlete has a book. So that way... I know if they're getting stronger or not. You know, an athlete started at well, 95 pounds on squat for 20 reps, and now I was doing 195 pounds for 14 reps. Well, yeah, they got stronger. No, so, it's kind of it. going
2: off what they said because, like, I do track our, our numbers. Like, when we have a sheet, whether it's a four-week sheet or a three-week sheet, I collect that. Once I collect it, whether they're 14s or 8s or 20s, like, I have a master Excel sheet, and then I plug in what their best 20 is. So, if they, you know, if we're, like, you know – you're a three guy, you know. He goes back to the 20s, even if that short two to three week window, he breaks the PR. I record it. So by the time they leave after four years, I have their best, you know, I have their best 14, their best eight, and their, you know, their best 20. Um, you know, kind of going along with the whole tracking thing. So like when a guy comes in from year one, they can see what they did and they can see what they did when they left. But, you know, so it's kind of neat to sit and see that progression. That's you know, kind of bouncing off the whole tracking thing they talked about.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I definitely it definitely makes me think about, you know, why just like, you know, just testing and and why do we really need to go above, you know, 85% of a one at max for for sets and uh, you know, things like I you hear like Franz Bosch, uh, I'll bring bring that up for you, Jeff. Uh, but talk about, but I, I like, I really like this is talking about, you know, what happens when you strain under a heavy load with rate of force development and those types of things. And and do we need that intensification? Is it even something that is how valuable is this in regards of of the risks of it and the negative negative aspects of going uh, that heavy? So. Okay, so guys, I think that's about all the time I I got. And I know you guys are two to three hours ahead of me. So thanks for staying with me so long today. I really appreciate it. And I know what you guys are doing. it's, It's most definitely on the cutting edge. Every time I talk to any one of you, I learn so much. And I think that... This is the type of stuff that uh, is pushing the industry forward. So I thank you guys for taking the time. I, I really learned an awful lot. And thank you guys for sharing your both your knowledge and your practical experience. I think with a method like this that's so different and counter, counterintuitive to a lot of people, I think those pra- that practical experience, the nuts and bolts, the results speak volumes. So thanks again for your time. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we will hope to get more of these roundtables out in the coming year. Uh, 2018, I think, is going to be a big year for the podcast. Thank you for tuning in thus far. Uh, however many episodes you listen to, whether it's 1 or 81, I appreciate it. If you could and haven't done so already, go ahead and leave a rating for us on iTunes. Uh, would definitely appreciate helping spread the word of what we are doing Please also don't forget to visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com. They're suppliers of high-end training technology, free lap timing system, one of the best pieces of equipment you can possibly have if you're into speed training. Uh, other things like the K-Box, contact grids, uh, basically versions of OptoJump. Uh, they have force plates, and then all the way back down to personal use power dots, uh, EMS stimulators. Uh, great site, great blog. Check them out. We'll be back next week with another great guest. We'll see you then.